out the messages and the topics long before current events happen, so it's ironic that the theme for today is actually about better days, and what does it look like in our world if we live into and we bring back to life the the power of the resurrection. We're going to look at what happened with the apostles, the followers of Jesus, after he was killed And then came back to life. Like there was that initial excitement and and they were all gung-ho. But then something more happened. Something happened that brought on the steamroll effect and apparently lasted for a couple of thousand of years. And and normally I don't read a, a ton of scripture on Sunday morning, but this morning the story is just so powerful. And and in light of what has happened in our community and and where the world watched. As a holy act. You know what a holy act is? It is when we have less of ourselves, we think less of ourselves, and we think more of the greater and common good. This week, a holy act happened. So I want you to hear what happened that sort of got it all started after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's like a really interesting episode of Groundhog Day. Check this out from the Gospel of Acts. The high priest took, took action, he and all who were with him, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were so filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, they put them in public prison, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. Now, that's important to listen. What did they tell them to do? To go tell the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak, and they went on with their teaching. Now, when the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel. They sent them to prison to have the apostles brought. But when the temple police went there, they didn't find them in prison, so they returned and reported to the high priest. We found the prison securely locked and the guards are standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were perplexed about them and they were wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and announced, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and they're teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence. For they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you are, and you fill Jerusalem with your teaching. You're determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter, who had sort of become the mouthpiece of the group, and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior 
that he may give repentance to people and forgiveness of sins. We're witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, when the chief priest and the Sadducees heard this, they were enraged. They wanted to kill them. But there was a Pharisee in the council of Pharisees, a religious ruler named Gamaliel. He was a teacher of the law. He was respected by all the people. He stood up and he ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Now I'm going to paraphrase the next little bit of this. He basically said, hey, I'm not so sure that what you're thinking about doing right now is a really good idea. Because you see, they've already busted out of prison once. And if you go back and you read in the book of Acts, you will see that this is not the first time that they've been imprisoned and been able to be set free. This is the third time. Prison walls could not keep them in captivity. And so this guy, this Pharisee that I butchered his name, he said, look, here's what you can do. This has happened in history before. Remember the word Messiah, Jesus, Messiah? That's a title. So there were other people that had come before Jesus that proclaimed themselves to be the Messiah. And just like Jesus, they too had been killed for their cause. So this guy is saying to them, look, this has happened before. There's been other Messiahs. And it all works out in the end. Basically, it just takes care of itself. You know, these guys come, they have their mood. It's like, you know, they're renegades and then something happens. They die. They leave behind a couple hundred followers. And eventually, the revolution, their followers, they just sort of peter out. Nothing ever happens with this. And, And so he cites like two or three different examples of what they should do instead of, you know, like, you know, going to bat. Because the, the people who followed Jesus were really passionate about the apostles and their message. So that the religious leaders were afraid that they were going to be hurt. They were afraid they were going to be stoned. So Gamaliel convinced them, hey, let's just, let's just wait and see. Let's just ride this wave and, and see what happens. The chief priests... And the Sadducees, they were convinced by him. So they called in the apostles. Now, listen to what happens next. They didn't, you know, just sort of slap them on the hand and say, okay, now you can go on your merry way. They had them flogged and beaten. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. Here's one of the powerful parts of this story. As the apostles left the council, they rejoiced. They had just been flogged. That is not a pleasant thing. But as they left the council, they rejoiced. Why? They rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day in the temple and at home, They did not cease to teach about Jesus. They had just been beaten. And let's not forget, they are still grieving the loss of their best friend. 
And what do they do after they get released, after their third time being imprisoned? What do they do when they leave? They rejoice. And they are more committed than ever to go in their homes and in all that they do and keep teaching and keep preaching the message of the kingdom of God that Jesus had ushered in. We can't lose sight of the meaning of the message. It's really cool to know that they had this power and this authority and conviction, but why? So what? Well, the message that they were preaching was a message of peace, was a message that even when death stares us down, life wins. Even when we're confined in prisons, whether they're literal or metaphorical, freedom wins. And just like we've experienced this week in our local community, even when evil and revenge and anger and hatred seems to win. In the message of the kingdom of God, what ultimately wins is forgiveness and peace. This weekend, or this week, actually, a young man by the name of Riley Howell was confronted with a circumstance. And in our institutions of learning, both local level and collegiate level, when they, they are taught now what to do in the case of an active shooter, to take cover is one of the first things. This young man did not do that. You know, we can wonder what his thoughts were in the moment, but his family spoke out about that. His parents spoke out as well and said he was doing exactly what he would have felt called and empowered to do. There was a powerful interview uh, this week on TV, so I wanted us to watch it this morning in worship. Take a look. There was another deadly school shooting yesterday at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Last day of class, gunman enters a packed class. The kids had nowhere to go. That's when a special young man in that class, Riley Howell, just 21, looked like a blonde Tarzan. He saw that gunman, and he decided to run right at him, knocked him down, led to his capture. The move, police say, saves so many lives. But the move also cost Riley his own life. You're either going to run, you're going to hide and shield, or you're going to take the fight to the assailant. Having no place to run and hide, he did the last. But for his work, the assailant may not have been disarmed. Unfortunately, he gave his life in the process. But his sacrifice saved lives. Sacrifice. Literally a holy act. And that's what this was. Someone doing something that was bigger than themselves. We all wonder what we would do in a moment like that, and it's hard to imagine. But 
not for Riley's family. They say this is who he was, a young man who looked out for his young siblings and cousins, who idolized first responders, and was torn between college and volunteering for the military. He has always wanted to serve. Um, and it was a logical thing for him to go towards the shooter to take care of everybody else. And that is the hero, and that's the way he would have wanted to go. It's his aunt on the phone there, her voice steady, calm in the midst of drama, just like her nephew Riley. He's one of two who were taken. Four others were injured by yet another deranged person with dark intentions and access to a weapon. You know, after these shootings, we all wonder how to make them stop. We wonder if we know how. We're stuck in that position on this issue and a number of challenges that surround us. Riley should be a reminder of what true resolve looks like. You see a problem, you go right at it. His literal manifestation of what is merely a metaphor for the rest of us is proof that if something means enough to you, you can make it happen. Riley had to know what was likely when he ran at a gunman who could see him coming too. And yet he did it. Whether or not he made a calculation or a spontaneous move, maybe he saw, thought about it at all. He decided to do something in the hope of stopping a problem. I'm not lionizing or exaggerating for effect. I can't think of a situation that would be harder than the one this kid faced. And I don't think I could do what he did. But he did it. And that is affirmation of what is possible from people. Not everyone just takes care of themselves. All these cries about our collective decay, not everyone, not this kid. So on a day when so many of us are lamenting how pointless our politics seem, all the division, the emphasis on the negative, we see in a crisis that there is still potential for someone to do something that is the highest form of humanity, true sacrifice for others, no matter the cost. I'm sorry for his family, their loss, and all of the affected families. But I also want to thank Riley Howell for reminding us that we can be so much better than we are, even against all odds and in a moment of dire crisis, that people can do amazing things for others. I hope people always remember this young man this way. And I hope we all remember that we can make a difference as well. When we believe in something enough, interesting phrase. When we believe in something enough, we can use our power that comes within us to make a difference. What do you believe in enough today? And so often this passage of scripture and the death of Christ and the horrific way in which it happened can be reduced to whose fault was it? It's interesting in this passage in Acts today to notice that Peter and the apostles did not really get really bent out of shape about fault and blame. They made the statement, you know, you killed our Lord with a lynching. And then they just went on about their life. Remember back at the beginning of the passage, they were about the mission and the vision of using words that would bring life. What do you believe in enough today? 
Do we, frankly, believe in something enough to do something about it? Or is it just easier to sit and let other people do for us or think that somebody else is going to take care of the problem? Thank God, and I mean that literally, that Riley did not do that this week. Thank goodness that something moved within him so that what could have been an even more tragic situation was deterred. It happened a couple of thousand years ago. It happened this week. It happens all the time in our world. If you watch the news, the most depressing thing ever, you can see that so much evil and darkness exists in our world. It didn't stop just a couple of thousand years ago when they hung Jesus on the tree. It still happens. There is poverty in our world. There is oppression. There is is abuse of people emotionally, physically, sexually. There are so many things. And dadgummit, we all ought to have some kind of passion that lights in our soul and makes us believe in something enough so that we'll get up and we'll do something about it instead of just sit back and wait on people to take care of me. If we are going to carry out the message and the power that the apostles had so many thousands of years ago, and clearly you must want to do that a little or you wouldn't be here. There are other more fun things, I promise, you could be doing on a Sunday morning, and these seats are not that comfortable. You're here for a reason. What is the reason? What is your purpose? What are we so passionate about that we're going to do something about it and go? And make a difference in the world. This week, I absolutely rolled in self-pity. I was like this giant self-pity ball. You held my announcements, mine and Scott's announcement last week with such grace. And and I was so grateful for that. And and we are friends. And you know, but guess what? We're learning to do life differently, which means for Andrea Smith, I have to learn how to use a bank account, okay? Like, I've never done that. I do it for the church, and thankfully, there are really smart people around me. But dadgummit, Bank of America and online banking is just not as easy as I think it should be. Wednesday, if I touched it, and I had to bring levity to the sermon, so forgive me. Wednesday, if I touched it, literally, it like went to pieces. All the lights outside the house, and please, these things are all taken care of, and you've volunteered to help me, and I've been so grateful for that. But like every light outside burn out at one time. I'm like, what in the world? I couldn't even figure out how to get into the light fixtures, and I consider myself a reasonably intelligent human being, so that made me mad. I had a meeting that I needed to be at at noon, so I was going to go out the front door because my car was parked outside, and dadgummit, the deadbolt wouldn't even unlock on the front door. Now, what is up with that? I decided in the moment I perhaps had a little energy because all I'd realized I'd paid all of my bills out of one check. That was not my wisest banking move ever. I should have spread them out. It was a growth opportunity for me. I went to open the front door. It wouldn't open. Took a few minutes, calmed down, thought, okay, it's jammed, lift up, you know, put the hip into it, you know, did all those things, the stupid, and I used other words on Wednesday, the stupid door just would not come unlocked. I finally just said, forget it. I'm going to go out of the garage. I'll figure out how to do all this later. 
Wednesday, one thing just kept, I mean, things, they just kept steamrolling. And I got back home that night, and I thought, all right, I'm going to attack the door. So gently, because I didn't want to take my anger out on the door, I went up, turned the little deadbolt, mm-mm, still nothing. I was angry by this point. I thought, I'm going to go to sleep. Surely no one will be able to break in on me because I can't get out. They can't get in. The next morning, I went out, tried to unlock the door. It still would not unlock. So I kicked the ever-loving daylights out of that door, which I then realized was probably the dumbest thing ever because I don't want to have to buy a new door. I gave up. Finally, a friend came, and, and they unlocked the door with one little click. I was so feeling sorry for me. I really was. It was embarrassing how sorry I felt for myself. Now, on Friday, I had been invited to go to Mooresville High School. There was a, so, is a social studies class, and they were talking about women and women's rights, and women. they were talking about women that have made an impact on the community, and they invited me to come speak. Now, I know you'll, you know, send me emails about self-deprecation. I'm just going to go on and say, when I got the email, I'm like, they must have been hard up for people to come speak. You know, it's a Friday. And um, I thought, but okay, they want me to speak, fine. So then they sent me these questions. It was like, I don't know, this long. And they were intense questions. And uh, I looked through some, what's your biggest failure, all this kind of stuff. And then one of the questions was, what's your biggest impact on the community? I thought, well, I have no earthly idea. I asked a friend of mine, and they said, well, um, you launched a church. Hello. Wouldn't you say that'd be an impact on the community? I'm like, yeah, there's that. Okay, that's a good answer. So Friday, I got to sit with different groups of students for a couple of hours, and they got to choose the questions that they asked me. Every single group asked What's been your biggest impact on the community? I said, well, I've had the opportunity, not me, because nothing that I've done, I've done alone or independently. And if I had tried to do it alone or independently, every single thing that I've ever done would have failed. You can't launch a church alone. And then I started telling them about the back-to-school bash. I said, I've had this really cool opportunity to be the founder of this back-to-school bash. And, and in Morrisville Graded, which is where the bash is, is held and has been for the past several years, like when I would say those words, their faces would light up and they would start to smile. Some students even said, wow, that's you and your church? I'm like, yeah, it is. And they're like, thank you. And then I started telling them about the food truck. I'm like, with a couple of other churches, we run a food truck. And before I could get the rest of the words out of my mouth, some of the students would be nodding. And then one girl said, my family and I, we eat there every single Sunday. And we really need it. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for the community. Now, at the end of the first group, this young woman looked at me and she said, do you see yourself as a role model? I said, well, no. And she goes, why not? I said, well, because that's like ego and arrogant. Like, yeah, I'm the role model, you know. And I said, I don't look at myself that way. I don't sit around at home going, yeah, I got this. She said, well, maybe you should. See yourself a little differently. 
we rotated tables. Every single table they could ask whatever question they wanted, but every single question, every single table asked me about my impact on the community. I couldn't answer that question without seeing you sitting there with me. Church is a community. It is not an individualized sport. It is a time and it is a place, and we live in such a time and a place where we are called to unite together our resources, our time, our energy, our finances, so that we can carry out the mission and the vision that the gospels, the apostles and the gospel writers shared so many thousands of years ago. We need to share the words of light and life, not darkness and loss of hope. This afternoon in downtown Mooresville, there's a bash color dash. The steering team and I have no clue how it's going to come across. Because of the slain officer, we no longer have barricades. We don't have officers that are going to show up. It feels a little bit oppressive. But you know what? I know that the people, you all, you always show up. You always help. It always comes together. And why? Not just because we want to raise some money to pad the church checkbook. It's because you see those young men and young women that I saw sitting around those tables on Friday, those tennis shoes, those school supplies, those things make a difference in their lives. And guess what? The kids come to the bash and they never have to feel poor or lesser than because it's like this giant street party. We've got to believe in something that is bigger than we are. We have to carry. We have to carry our passion. And we have to be willing to move out of our self-pity and self-focus, just like me this week. And I told you that story, not to make you feel sorry for me, but to say, hey, I do it too. I get in dark places. I feel sorry for myself. But there are people in our community that need us to be like Riley Howell and snap out of our stuff and be willing to charge the field. Are you willing to charge it with me? Are you willing to be passionate about something bigger than us today? As we close this morning, I want you to take a look again at last year's bash video because I want you and us to remember why we do what we do every day.
Thank you for making Bash 2018 the biggest and best back to school bash yet. Today we served 1,433 students and we gave them shoes and school supplies and book bags, clothes and books and that was with the help of over 520 volunteers today that came out to Mooresville Middle School. We served 2,700 hot dogs and 500 slices of pizza so thank you guys on the food team for helping make that happen. Uh, we had over 20 vendors come today with bounce houses and snow cones and popcorns, and it was just such a fun day. Today and the bash in general really does show what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ. So thank you guys, and thank all the donations and sponsorships, and even your thoughts and prayers really did help make the bash so phenomenal this year. So thank you guys for everything you did to help with the bash, and let's get ready for next year. Next year is actually like two months away. That causes just a tad bit of anxiety, right? Like uh, school starts so early this year, bash is in two months. Even if bash is not your thing, again, we have a food truck every Sunday morning that you could help serve the people in downtown Mooresville that don't have the soup kitchen or the Christian mission on Sunday morning. Or if that's not your thing, you can give blood on a Sunday morning in just a few weeks, and you can give life to people here in the comfort of Lake Norman High School. You just have to come to church, and you can serve. That's who we are about, because guess what? The apostles, they were so excited, despite being imprisoned, that they connected to their inner passion, and then they went and they did something about it. So in a week that has been filled with great tragedy, may we all go deeper. May we do like I had to do when life handed my butt to me on a platter on Wednesday, was get over my ego 
go and get over myself and realize that there's something in me. I've been called to a purpose bigger and greater than that. I went up to the young woman on Friday at the end of the day after I'd rotated through all the tables and even my extrovertedness self was tired of talking. I went up to her and I said, hey, I just need to tell you one thing. And her eyes got really big and and I grabbed her hand and said, I just want to thank you for reminding me what it means to be me. And she just smiled so broadly. I am nothing special. And I don't have any gifts or skills greater than what you have within you. We are all uniquely and beautifully created in the imago Dei, the image of God. Pray about and figure out what your passion is. And then go be like the apostles and make a difference, not just today, but every day. Let us pray. Gracious God, we offer ourselves to you this morning. We all come to you from different places, so maybe we are a little afraid of what it is that you want to do in us and for us. Maybe we're afraid of moving out of our safe places. God, maybe we find ourselves in the middle of darkness and we don't know which way to turn. Or maybe we feel like we've just accomplished our purpose and our passion and now we don't know what the next thing is. God, you are in all of those situations. You are in each of us and you have created us in your power and image and given us power far greater than anything we can imagine. God, use us today. In Christ's holy and amazing name, we pray. Amen. I'm not being funny if you have some time today around 2 or 2.30 and you didn't sign up for the color dash. We could use your help. But seriously, Jesus told the disciples before he left them, you have been given greater power than I've got. He said that. Will we go and will we claim that power and that passion today? Go in peace and power and love. Amen.